0: Welcome to The Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, The Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
1: Welcome to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for the first half hour is Jack Bosch. He is known as the land guy. Uh, He's done a book called uh, Forever Cash, uh, Break the Earn-Spend Cycle, Take Charge of Your Life, and Build Everlasting Wealth. And he also hosts a podcast called The Forever Cash Life Podcast. Welcome to The Money Answer Show, Jack.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Tell us briefly your story. You you have kind of an interesting story about how you got to be the land guy.
2: Right. So um, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm originally not from here. I came to the United States from Germany. Um, and in uh, back in 1997 to basically finish my college degree, so I I got here. Everything uh, life life was good at the beginning. I got I finished my college degree. I got a job. I um, uh, and and a, a few years into the job, I really realized that I didn't enjoy it. There was a bunch of layoffs going on and. Uh, and we realized that we needed to. I almost lost my job. We we realized uh, that we wanted to do something different. So, uh, I, um, I I couldn't quit that job because I was on the work visa with it, and through that job I was getting my green card in the U.S. But at the same time, I was realizing that, I, that, that this is not the career I want to do. I, have, I want to have a job for the rest of my life, I would die, I think. So, so we looked around and we found real estate. But then there's so many different branches of real estate that we started dabbling with or trying or figuring out. And we could get none of them work because when you come from another country, all the language is different, the terminology is different, the, the cost of repairs, the way structures are done is different. And we couldn't get any of that work until we stumbled into land flipping. So then we, we basically, we, we contacted some all property owners and a, a few people contacted us back and they had land and, and one guy was willing to give us their property for $400, uh, a buildable lot in a smaller town. And we sold it directly the same day to the neighbor for 10 times the money for, for $4,000. So it was like, okay, well, that was easy. And more than anything, I didn't have, we didn't have to deal with tenants, toilets, termites, repairs, mold, con- concrete, repair, uh, um, all of this kind of stuff. So it's like, okay, let's do that again. And then the second deal, we got a property for 400, $500 and we sold it for 10000 then, And then again and again, and soon enough, we realized that we actually didn't have to know anything about houses and still be able to be in real estate. That's when we shut out all the houses, and we started doing only land deals, and now we have done over 4,000 of them.
1: So, And then you teach this to other people. Your company is called Orbit Investments. Tell people a little bit about how you teach this whole land flipping to people who don't know much about it.
2: Yes, we have created a a, a course that's called the Land Profit Generator, and uh, that program, Land Profit Generator, is basically a step-by-step training program on how you can do deals without tenants, toilets, and termites. And basically, what we what we teach people is that they can do all these methods that they use in house flipping, just without having to deal with a house. So it's basically no no tenants, no toilets, no termites, no midnight move-outs, no late rent or anything like that. And uh, so it's a it's a step-by-step process that now um, hundreds of people around the country successfully do and, uh, and the nice part is that land actually has almost no competition because everyone is so trained with all these tv shows and so on to go to look at that fix that house and fix and flip and what they all they're called and, uh, and flip this house and nobody's looking at the land side yet there's actually more land available than there's houses in the united states and nobody's in that market so we have created this little niche or actually great niche uh, that has been very good to us and now is also very good to our students. So we have, we have this home study course, we have events, uh, we have coaching, we have all those different things now.
1: And that's at your website, jackbosh.com. Is that the best website? Correct,
2: jackbosch.com, or you can go to landprofitfun.com. as a land profit and then F-U-N, like because it's fun to do land deals.
1: Great. All right, so let's talk about the buy side first. Right. So yes, there's a lot of land out there, but how do you find the land you want to buy that you know you're going to be able to sell, uh, and I guess you don't even have to visit it. You just have to kind of know it's there. Is that, how, how do you find Correct. the planet?
2: Yeah, so the first part is you said exactly right. You don't. You can do this anywhere in the country because uh, but thanks to Google Earth and Google Maps and those places and county websites, uh, we can find out everything we want to find out of this property without leaving the comfort of our home. So the first part, though, is uh, so therefore you can totally do it virtually. We now even have people from Germany, from Europe, and from, from South America, from China, do this in the United States um, virtually. But um, the, the, the other part of your question is, you said, you said one word that was really, really good, really important is like, we don't just buy any kind of land. We buy the land or we focus on the land that we know will sell because there is such a thing like junk land out there there's a bunch of areas in the country where nobody wants land and we can get land dirt cheap but uh, where you you don't ever well you can buy 40 acres for fifteen hundred dollars in some areas but then you sell them for two thousand and there's no profit in that so what we do is we focus on three kinds of pieces of land we focus on number one infill lots in already in, in, in expanding cities so infill lot is think a road 35 houses one empty lot well Every city, like Seattle, has 16,000 of them. So there's 16,000 lots that you can pick up a few a year. Usually those have very nice, large profits in the tens of thousands of dollars, anywhere from like 20 to probably 150000 all profits in those deals. They're a little bit harder to get to, but once you get them, they're very profitable. The second kind of land that we focus on is more like our bread and butter, is the land right in the outskirts of growing cities. And They don't have to be huge cities. They can be mid-sized cities. As long as they're growing, that's a great place because the city that's growing usually grows towards the outside. So if you're two or three miles outside of where the last houses are built, the, uh, a two-acre lot might only be worth $30,000 there today. But you can pick it up today for $3,000 or $4,000. And then you can sell those properties with uh, for as a wholesale deal for, let's say, fifteen dollars or $20,000, make a twelve to $17,000 profit. Or you can sell them, what we also do is sell them at full market price, we sell a financing and actually and monthly payments, so you create cash flow from land. But either way, the, these are attractive because the city is approaching, so a lot of people like to buy them now when they're cheap still, and then hold on to them, for then when the city comes around, they're worth several hundred thousand dollars. It's a very, very well-established uh, land banking kind of strategy that has made a lot of people a lot of money. And the third kind of property we focus on is larger acreage, like the 10, 20, or 40 acre parcels in a little bit more rural areas, like an hour or two hours away from bigger cities. But where there's something attractive is, like, as if you're in Atlanta, you look up up north. I think are the Smoky Mountains. Well, people in Atlanta are have RVs, have ATVs, have dirt bikes, and they want they like hiking, they like biking, they like those things. So. So a lot of them take on the weekend uh, when it's hot and, mu- and humid in Atlanta, they take, uh, they take their RV and go up, go up north. People in Phoenix do the same thing. People in Seattle do the same thing. People in, all around in the country, they do the same thing. So these three kinds of properties, they have the right kind of buyer built in right away. They're attractive in their nature and therefore they sell very quickly. So,
1: um, yeah. Do you actually identify who the potential buyer would be before actually go ahead and buy it yourself um i
2: don't identify the actual buyer uh with them i uh, i what i do is we identify the buyer type and the buyer type drives. so if i know if a property is great for a hunter because it's in a great hunting area and it's 20 acres and you you can uh and, and you can make it your home base during hunting season or a great hiking area then when we prepare our listing, when we prepare it to be sold, we're going to go and we sell a lot of our properties to Facebook, for example. We're going to go join a hunter group in, let's say there's properties in Alabama. We're going to join a hunting group in Alabama, and we're going to present our property there to people who are already interested in what we have. Because a hunting group in Alabama, by nature, loves the nature, loves the thing, so, so very often we can sell a property right there then. So, we haven't identified them by name, but by type.
1: So, do you typically deal with real estate brokers, or are you dealing directly with the owners of the land when you're buying?
2: Um, typically, I'm dealing with the real estate uh, with the directly with the owners. Occasionally, because we're using a direct mail system. So, basically, we, we what we do is we, we go to a county, we identify those counties based on what I just described, like based on uh, just where they are, just outside of bigger cities, or in bigger cities, or or a couple of hours away, with something attractive going on there, uh, and then we get a list from the county, and then we send a direct mail piece on there that is well tested over the last 17 years. We've split tested that and made that uh, a great, uh, great performing. We get on average anywhere between four and 15 percent response rates on these on these letters. So basically, you send out 100 letters, you get anywhere between four and 16. Uh, people calling you back, wanting you to sell their, wanting to sell their land to you, which is compared to house flippers, a multiple of the response rate. And what, what do you do- say in that
1: letter, Jack? Just give me a th- idea of what you say in the letter to attract. It's a
2: very simple letter, but it's like we literally every half sentence and every uh, every half sentence has been tested against the control. But it basically says like, hey, we know you own property there interested in buying it and if this property is a burden to you uh because a lot of sellers they just own it for 30 years they don't want it anymore they don't want to pay property taxes anymore they just don't they they have inherited it they've given it to their kids the kids don't want them so it's become a burden to them if it's a burden of property we take it off your hands we pay uh, and and a couple of other kind of nice things, and then we make it easy for them to contact us we provide for example in our case a website Uh, that they can go submit the information to or we give them a phone number. We have a call that they're contracted for it so they can even call at 9 or 10 at night and they can still submit their information to us and it's very, very inexpensive. Uh, So, I mean, free to them and very inexpensive to us.
1: Um, We have to take a a break, actually. Sounds uh, good. um, So my guest this half hour is Jack Bosch. He's known as the land guy. So, so far we've talked about how you can buy land. After the break, we're going to come back and talk about how you sell the land you just bought. You can find out more about him at his website, jackbosch.com. He's also done a book called Forever Cash, Break the Earn-Spend Cycle, Take Charge of Your Life, and Build Everlasting Wealth. We'll be back after this.
4: Your leadership journey must be a continuous process of education and improvement. If you think you've learned all you need to know, think again. Find out the latest from contemporary authors on topics from character to values and everything in between. Discover insights into servant leader fundamentals along with your host, Tom Kriya. Tune into Your Evolving Leadership Journey, Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: Decide that you have something to say and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
0: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this half hour is Jack Bosch, known as The Land Guy. Uh, uh, His website is jackbosch.com. And the book he's written about this whole process of buying and selling land is called Forever Cash, Break the Earn-Spend Cycle, Take Charge of Your Life and Build Everlasting Wealth. Welcome back to the show, Jack. Thank you very much for having me back. So we've talked about the buy side, so now let's talk about the sell side. You bought this land wherever it may be in the three different strategies. Uh, how do you go about finding people who want to buy it and typically how long does that take that you to, for you to flip these uh, pieces of property?
2: right so uh typically actually uh the first thing we do once we have once we once we get a property under uh so once the sellers call us back and we 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 do a little property research we figure out what the property is worth we have five different methods for that then we send out the le- uh we send them out an offer and if they accept that offer the first part we do is we actually don't buy the property um we most of our students uh, most of our students they prefer to actually just keep it on a contract and our contract has a few provisions that are very interesting. The first provision is that, number one, there's no escrow deposit in there. So because there's no escrow deposit, we never put down an escrow deposit. Even if we have to cancel a contract, we, we don't lose any money. The second provision is that actually we can cancel a contract anytime for any reason. And the third provision is that the sellers give us absolutely no problem when making out the actual close of escrow up to six months after the signing of the document. So if we sign something on December 1st, then we can literally go and, and, and have a full half a year to market this property without actually having to buy it. Now that gives us plenty of time to find a buyer. Usually you find a buyer uh, within a matter of, if it's a well-priced property in the right area, anywhere between two days and let's say four weeks is a, is a reasonable time period that you can expect to find a buyer. Now, where do we post these properties? We post them and also the fourth thing that our contract has is that it allows us to actually market the property on uh, public platforms without actually before we actually own it. So the contract gives us the right from the seller to us to actually market it. So we, with that, we can actually put it on the MLS if we have access to the MLS. We can put it on Zillow. We can put it on Craigslist. We can put it on Landwatch. We can put it on uh, land.com. We can put it on Facebook. And it's all done 100% legally. And those are typically the platforms that we use since it's a direct-to-consumer kind of sale point. Uh, it's, a, let's say, a $30,000 piece of land that, we are, that we're getting a contract for $5,000. We want to go sell it. Uh, we can place it on those platforms without owning it, and it's fully 100% legal.
1: Wow. So you've you've known before you have it for sale the right kind of people that are on those places. Um, And you often get bidding wars. Do you have several people responding, wanting to buy and uh, uh, paying higher and higher prices for it?
2: you do sometimes uh, it all except, except it depends it rarely happens let's say on the the rural 40 acres usually doesn't trigger a, a a bidding war but a property like right in the outskirts of town um in a in a growing area quite quite often actually does that and an and lot definitely often does it so uh, so if you have an attractive property an attractive location priced at a price at a good price Then um, then it absolutely can happen that you put it out there and you might get several hundred inquiries in a matter of of, of a couple of days and uh, several people bidding on it. And that's exactly the process that we suggest. And if you have multiple people bidding on it, you just let everyone know to submit what's called your highest and best offer. And then you pick the strongest offers from them and uh, proceed with that.
1: Do you sometimes get uh, pushback from the original seller who sold it for 5000 now he sees all over the place that you're selling it for 30000 like he feels he got ripped off?
2: Uh, no. The main reason for that is that those sellers are actually not, fair, not on these, all these platforms because if they would be savvy on all these platforms, if they would be on these platforms, then they would do it themselves. The reason why they give up these properties is literally because they just don't want to deal with it anymore. They know we're going to resell the property. They actually, one time I sold a property. I got a property for eighteen hundred dollars, eighteen hundred seventy-five dollars, and that property was listed. Uh, and literally, no, the moment I got it, like two days later, the seller received the the, the county um, tax assessment valuation notice. I mean, obviously, we had just bought it, but the, the letter was the postcard with it with the new tax, taxable value was already on, on the way to the seller. Uh, so, he received it two days after he sold his property for us for $1,875, and the property was reassessed from $10,000 to $60,000. So, a six-fold increase because there's a lot of stuff going on and lots of movement, lots of development, and he basically just folded up the postcard. Put in an envelope and add a little note to it saying like, hey, next time I see you, uh, I see you owe me dinner. I uh, hope you make a nice profit on the property. So, this, the sellers that we're looking for are not even, there's, there's something in real estate called the motivated seller. Everyone is after the motivated seller. We are not looking for the motivated seller. The motivated seller gives you a 20% discount on a property. The non-wanter as we call them, the people who absolutely don't want their properties anymore, they give you an 80% pro- discount on a property and they don't care if you make a profit on it or not. And on top of it, if they, they, they're not into social media, they're not into those things, they're just want to live their life and, and they want to have the property tax bill stop coming to them.
1: Yes. When does it make sense to offer seller financing and how do you do it? What interest rate or how do you figure yeah. out to do seller financing?
2: Self-financing is one of the sweetest things we have figured out in the land business. Because when you buy a property for, let's say, again, a, a $30,000 property that you buy for $4,000, isn't it a reasonable, you, you have two choices then. Number one, you can sell this property for a discount price, what's called wholesaling, and you sell it for $15,000 and you make a $11,000 profit after closing customers or so, no, $10,000 or $11,000 profit. That's great. I'll take that every day of the week and I'll go uh, do do three a week from the, of those, right? But uh, if, I, if I can get three a week, great, and I'll do three a week. The other option, though, is that you say, well, if, I, if this property is worth $30,000, there's probably going to be more people out there who can afford, let's say, a $5,000 down payment and a monthly payment of $500 with some interest. So when, when we do that, we do that on properties that we buy really cheap. If we buy, if we pay 40% of market value on a property, then we usually don't offer seller financing because the down payment would not cover what we pay for the property. But if we get a property for like a 15% of market value, which a lot of them are in that range. So if we get a property for 15 cents on the dollar, It is very reasonable to ask somebody to give you a 20% down payment so in that case we would say if we buy a $30,000 property for $4,000 or put it on a contract it is very reasonable to ask somebody else a buyer to to pay me a $4,000 down payment so in that case since I pay for $4,000 for the property I get $4,000 a down payment I now have made all my money back I have zero money in the deal and everything else is just gravy everything else is just profit So those per deals that you buy at the lower percentage rate are great seller financing deals. And then typically we work out something that is affordable to the seller and something that makes sense for us. Now, in other words, at the deal like that, at $30,000 with a $4,000 down payment, we basically would, they would uh, pay off $26,000, I would probably set the monthly payment around four to $500 and therefore the payment would go somewhere between seven and 10 years or so. And that's a nice and not long enough st- stretch for me to have some really nice financial stability. Uh, and it's also short enough for the seller to see, like, oh, I, I have like uh, in seven to 10 years, this thing is paid off. And it's a high enough dollar amount that it actually is almost the same as my rental properties. I have 50 rental properties, rental houses in different markets. Most of them, I, if I really calculate it down net, 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 I make about $400 a month on each of those. So now if I set this loan at 400 I get the exact same cash flow with just without any tenants, toilets, and
1: termites. Yeah. Who is this right for? Who, if, if somebody has not done land flipping before, who is this right for and who would this not be a good uh, a solution for?
2: Well, uh, our, the people that we want to be, for, for lack of another word, the hero to, the people that we want to help are people that are stuck in a job that they don't like, stuck in a life that they don't necessarily uh, think of as the greatest life ever. and But they have a dream of actually being able to make it in something, to make, make it in real estate, to get the financial, uh, like have, be financially successful. But they don't necessarily want to learn some of these hyper-complicated Real estate methods like multifamily investing and things like that, where you have to have a PhD. Well, you you grow gray hair while 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 doing those because they're like high stakes, high dollars, multi-million dollars. So instead, they want to grab something that that they can actually handle. So we have a lot of our students uh, are actually people that have tried the house flipping. And for every, every reason, because there's so much competition in house flipping, there's so much, uh, there's like if a house flipper calls you right now and says he wants to sell the house, you tr- have to drop everything you do and go meet him. We only make offers once a week to our land sellers because nobody else writes letters to them. So, it's an almost competition-free space. So, it's very attractive and a lot of our successful students are, are people that just never had to never dealt with real estate before or if they have dealt with real estate, they have struggled because it's just a little bit too complicated. Because instead, the land flipping takes a lot of these complications and a lot of these complexities away and takes the competition also away. So anyone that wants to make more money, as a matter of fact, we now have an increasing amount of students that actually are somewhat successful house flippers. And they're like, I don't want to deal with houses anymore because there's so many tentacles to them. And they now adding land flipping or transitioning to land flipping because you make the same or, or better profits with less complexities.
1: Do you have a community of people, your students, who help each other buy and sell properties?
2: <clears throat> yes, we have a community actually on Facebook. We have a group called Land Profit Generator Real Estate Group. That's a, f- a free group. Anyone is welcome to join that group, uh, Land Profit Generator uh, Group, uh, Real Estate Investing Group. Uh, and and there's, there's a lot of our successful students are in there asking questions, help answering questions, helping each other. My wife is in there. I'm in there uh, on a daily basis. Helping, helping others, um, helping people invest, um, invest in those things and, and in the land pieces. And, and, and it's a true land flipping family community because it's, it's, we, we, one of our core values is, is to give. And so it is, uh, it is absolutely, it's a
1: truly giving environment where we all help each other. Oh, terrific. Well, thanks so much. My guest this half hour has been Jack Bosch, known as the land guy. He went to how he buys and how he sells and you can do it too. Uh, He's got a book out on this uh, called Forever Cash, Break the Earn-Spend Cycle, Take Charge of Your Life, and Build Everlasting Wealth. You can see more about him at his website, jackbosch.com. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Jack. I think people learned a lot. Thank you for having me. Thanks again. We'll be back after the break with our next guest.
4: stocks,
3: bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com life insurance settlements discover the true value of your life insurance 877-485-6681 jordan goodman is an affiliate he recognizes quality solutions forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners tune in to the voice america variety channel on the voice america talk radio network voice america variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community
0: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Jason Yerusi. He is a real estate syndicator and real estate investor. He also runs something called the Real Estate Foundation. And you can find out more about him at his website, com. Welcome to The Money As The Show, Jason. Hey, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Just tell us your story briefly and how you got into the whole real estate syndication market.
5: Sure. So I grew up in a family construction business and we do heavy construction and it's uh, we do a niche part where we actually lift and move buildings uh, in New Jersey. And we've done a lot of work, uh, for, of course, Hurricane Sandy happened about seven years ago and really took the business from just a mildly busy to just insanely busy. And with that, it just it just dawned to us that, that we need to find some kind of passivity in our life because we, we were spending so much time working. I mean, if there was eight days in a week, 25 hours in a day, we, we could have worked at that time. It was just immensely staggering. So it led us to look for other avenues that we could create and generate wealth for ourselves, our family, you know, I have a, I have a young family, I have three young children, beautiful wife, and we, we were just so busy that I didn't want to miss out on them. But with anything of a, of course, a service-driven business, if you stop working, it, you, of course, don't have any revenue or money coming in. So we started looking at different capacities, started flipping houses, wholesaling, doing doing a number of different aspects, Airbnb. And it, it started when we started doing short-term rentals out of state and just understanding the philosophy, I'm sorry, um, uh, just small rentals out of state, it just, it dawned on us that being able to create systems and put, put the processes in place and doing this from afar, if we could do this on a larger scale, this could really be a, a business model to, that could help us help others and really just grow into what we're looking for in the future.
1: So is this something that you teach other people how to invest in multifamily properties to get uh, passive cash flow?
5: It is. You know, we we started this as ourselves being students, right? So we we aligned with a mentor who was doing this because we just said, hey, who else is doing it successfully? And ideally, how do we follow those steps just to really curb the learning curve? And I'm highly confident that, that so many people can do this out there, but generally they, they stop because there's these little things that come up that sideline them because they, they're just unsure of the answers. And so just like myself, I probably could have figured this out and just, and just powered my way through it. And, you know, instead of having a timeline from me to my first deal be, you know, 12, 13 months, it could have taken two years, three years, who knows. But in that fact, having someone on my side that was able to give me guidance as I went along the path, it allowed me to just keep myself on the goal. As every time I got a little bit sidetracked, I was able to just bring myself on the path, and that—that's what we started to do for for other people as well. Because it, it first starts with that mindset, right? It first starts with that point of, of okay, maybe I'll be safe by buying a smaller property, but ultimately going to a larger property, especially in, in multifamily, begins to create so many open doors for you just with the economies of scale. And that's why we started using syndication. We started pulling resources from investors so we could all benefit from the economies of scale. And the larger for the property you can get, it's more conducive for you to be able to hire the right team and treat it like a business. So you, with a 100-unit building, you can hire a, you know, a full-time maintenance staff, a leasing person, where ultimately if you, if you feel like you're starting safe, you may think you're going to try a 10 or 20 unit and you can't really afford the proper staff to be able to work that property.
1: So what do you you have tell us a little bit about the courses that you offer sure. to teach people either how to do a real estate syndication or how to buy larger multifamily uh are these done online or just tell us a little bit about what courses Correct. you offer to help people get into this?
5: Correct. It's called Multifamily Foundation. It's an online interactive course with live training series from uh, myself and my beautiful wife, Peely. And we generally take people through the twelve steps of going through to buying buying multifamily properties. Uh, we do focus in there on syndication because that's been an important component for our business. But it really just starts with just understanding what is the terms. Understanding the talk track and then now setting your goals and setting your mind up because generally buying a small property or buying a large property, if you say I want to buy a two unit, a 10 unit, a 50 unit, I'll say yes because I know you can do it. It's really you setting up the the mental hurdles in your mind that keep you from doing it. And some of the next series and the steps, of course, is building the team, Find the market you want to you size up, looking at what kind of properties that you want to focus on, understanding how to underwrite properties, understanding how to talk to investors, understanding how to find financing, ultimately going from there, how to, how to place an offer, how to close on deals, and lastly, how to succeed with a deal once the deal is closed. And that's what we've created our system to really help others go down the, the path to succeed in doing this.
1: Who is right and who is wrong? Uh, for this kind of thing? What kind of personality or what kind of traits do you need to make this work? Ultimately, it's a great question, right? And it comes down to, this is not
5: a course for for something to be handed to you. This is for you to create generational wealth or have another goal in mind that's going to be good for you. And for me, it's very important that we are creating generational wealth for our family, but we're also helping others, helping our investors to do this. And we're making better, affordable, cleaner places and communities for people to live. And doing so generates multiple jobs for other people, our management company, our leasing people, all these other jobs are being uh, expended by this. So when you look at this, it's for someone who is going to take the steps and go through the action steps, because I guarantee you can do this. Anybody can do this who's listening, but you do have to put in the work. This is a competitive market and there's a lot of people trying to do this, but there's so many people that stop start and never get started and never get off the sideline because they're not willing to take the action steps. So for this, it's someone who, who has their mind set up and can create goals and we can help them along the line to meet their goals.
1: So there's two different parts. There's the active investor and then there's the passive investor, the people who are investing in the real estate syndication. Uh, what kind of yields can they typically get if they're investing in your deals? Sure, so ultimately we 're looking for investors who
5: you you always want to have i, I find there 's four ways that you want to talk to investors and especially when you 're talking about multifamily properties. First, the investor has to understand you he has to understand you, m- myself, my background, my track record and if i don 't have real estate experience or, or i 'm starting new into multifamily syndication and maybe my experience in real estate wasn 't flipping or something else, they have to understand what i 've done and how i 've committed myself to this, why I'm doing this today. The next is to understand multi-family as an investment. Why is this something I want to invest in? Why am I focusing my time and my energy on that? And so, of course, there's cash flow, forced appreciation, appreciation, depreciation, tax advantages, debt pay down, many different capacities. The next is talking about our deals specifically, how we look at our deals and why these are the deals we're focusing on. And that's how we'll get to the yield and and the return perspective. And only lastly, do we talk about an actual deal that, that we may have in hand? Because generally where I feel a lot of investors fail is they try and bring the deal first. And then the investor, the passive investor, who's trying to learn about the opportunity is, is bombarded by so so much information. And maybe they've never even heard about investing in apartment buildings. Or if they have, they've always thought it's for large institutional players or or, or, or they're just REITs. So when they have so much information... They, they don't want to invest at that time because it's just too much for them to comprehend. But we find that if we're able to set up investors and understand what they need, because investors, you, you never know what you want until you ask the questions. Maybe, maybe they're only looking for cash flow, or maybe they're looking for tax advantages, or maybe uh, they're looking for portfolio di- for diversification. But if I'm not asking them the question, guiding them to understand how I can help them, then ultimately, I'm not doing them the right service because every investor is not right for our deals, just like we're we're not going to be right for every investor. So when we're looking at this, we generally focus on opportunities that have a minimum, and this is just to the limited partner or to the passive investor of over a five-year hold. We want to focus on deals that have at least a minimum of a 14% IRR or that would account for a nine to 10 cash and cash return each year, not including the profit for the sale and, or a two X return. So basically a two X multiple on the return structure, which usually filters out to about an 18% annualized return. When you factor in the profit from the sale at the end of five years.
1: And what's the minimum investment
5: to get into one of these? It varies, varies per deal, and so the old, the larger the raise, uh, the higher the minimum. So we've done uh, minimums before that have been at seventy five to one hundred thousand, uh, and we've done minimums before that have been twenty five or fifty thousand. Generally, it's just going to depend on the size of the raise that we're going to put out there, because we find that our best uh, marketing is doing a great job for investors and communicating, because the the investors tell their friends, tell their family, tell tell other people in their network and that becomes our best marketing it just how we're performing the deal becomes our best marketing so if we typically have a high barrier to entry and only have three or four individuals in a deal well now that's only three or four uh, mouths that are able to talk about what we're doing and how we're helping them reach their goals so ultimately if we can reach and maybe have an investment that has 12 15 18 people well now that's the multiple of how many people are now talking about what we're doing beyond us to be able to help us to the next, next phase of finding investors for future deals.
1: What would be the advantage of going into one of your deals as opposed to buying, say, an apartment real estate investment trust, which is more liquid than what you offer? <laughs> So many different capacities, right? Uh, It's being that the
5: control here is filtered through us. You also have the depreciation that is now a large play. We use cost segregation and that cost segregation is an ultimate resource for a number of investors who have other passive capacity of of, uh, investments that are maybe being taxed at a high rate. And we're able to force that depreciation down to, through the engineered case study or engineered financial report into categories of five, seven, and 15 years. And with the new tax regulations, that actually can get forced and pushed up into one year. So that's a large advantage right now. And it's also here is that we're not spreading ourselves across wide networks. We're focused on this one property. We're hyper-focused, where we're not just spreading it out as diversification through a number of series. We're hyper-focused on this property for a specific reason, because when we focus on on our properties—we're very niche for what we're looking for, and we're very select in our markets. And we do not invest it across an entire market. We inc- invest in a market, but in specific sub-markets because that's where we really make our deals work. And we're so—if we were to say a Louisville, Kentucky, we don't invest across the entire uh, city of Louisville. We invest specifically in the, in the south side, and the south central sub-markets. That's where we focus that's where everything works that we're looking for specifically in our multifamily properties. It's where we find that the most spread goes for our returns and also where we can find the most uh, beneficial housing for multifamily or firm workforce, blue, blue collar housing.
1: So when you say that there's depreciation, does that mean that some of the cash flow that they're getting, I assume on a monthly basis is tax sheltered to some extent? It's considered return of capital. How does that work? So you
5: so you got return of capital and return of capital that will come across uh, through these series right here. And so it's return on capital that was series f- uh, first until we meet the threshold of their investment. Again, it's going to come down to them making sure they're working with their accountant to make sure that, that it's aligning for with what their tax strategy is for how each investor may or may not benefit. But when we we're doing this cost segregation study. It's providing them paper losses based on their capacity of what they've invested versus the equity in the deal.
1: Very good. All right. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest for this half hour is Jason Yerusi. He's a real estate syndicator and investor. He also teaches about real estate. Uh, He has something called the Real Estate Foundation. You can find out more about what he does and what he offers at his website, YerusiHoldings.com. We'll be back after this.
3: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
4: Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? You've been
0: listening to The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answers Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Jason Yerusi, a real estate syndicator, investor, and educator. You can find out more about him and his courses at urusiholdings.com. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Thank you. So one of the things you do is add value after you bought, I assume you're not doing, you're not building new property or taking existing properties. What are some of the ways that you add value to it even if you don't have to raise the rents? Correct. So this is one of the topics that
5: we really love because many, many investors get hyper focused on just how we can improve and adjust the property by just solely increasing rent. However, if, if you've ever been a renter, which myself have been, when, when new ownership takes place, what's, the, what's your main concern? You're worried about the rent going up because ultimately that, that's hitting your bottom line. So our focus is always from the inside out. We go to the properties and we, we start cleaning up the curb appeal, start basically putting up new signage, including, improving the landscaping, taking care of all the open maintenance items that's on the docket for uh, the tenants. What we found is that this starts curbing a lot of the utility usage, uh, over usages that we have in place. it ultimately starts curbing our, our utility bill, which is it's dynamic because when you're buying you know, C and B assets of that capacity, when they're not being handled appropriately, maybe the owner's checked out. Well, the tenants stop calling when, you know, when they have a leaky sink or the toilet's continuing running. So we'll get in there and start curbing our utility bill, and that starts now increasing our bottom line, just our, our income to our bottom line, because now our utility bill goes from there. But beyond that, we'll do many different things, including changing out toilets, faucets, aerators, and putting in low-fledged toilets. Generally, a lot of these may just be the original toilets that are 3.8-gallon toilets. And we've done this in the past, where we've actually cut down water our water bill uh, over 30% on a property based on doing this uh, strategy, and that increased the value almost 350 Fifty thousand dollars on the property just from changing out toilets. Which, uh, if anybody's ever flipped a home, you, you generally don't get uh, three hundred fifty thousand dollars in value from changing out a toilet. So that's always a nice series. And then we look at the market. Where is is our property not competing with the market? If there's not pet fees being offered and all the surrounding properties are, are now allowing pet fees, we are we will go in there and institute pet fees. We may move from a deposit and push into uh, offering a move-in fee that goes to our, our bottom line quickly from the start. We will look to add on cable contracts, laundry contracts, and do many different capacities that they can start adding to the property. Uh, we've done... Uh, basically payment for a covered park before. Um, I have other, other friends who have offered a series of, of opportunities to add in trash relay, And there's just a number of different items. But we find it that if you improve the property, make it a better place to live, start cleaning up the landscaping, improving the signages, improving the amenities, cleaning up the hallways, just making this a better environment for the tenants. There's a lot of things that happen from there. The tenants now understand that the property is getting better. And generally, if the market, the market rents or the rents that are offered the property are way below the market rents, well, tenants understand that after you've done all this, to make this a better place for them, that when you start increasing the rents, they understand why. Because they understand this is going to be a great place for them to live. And it also curbs our, our downside from a lot of tenants moving out and moving to other properties because day one, instead of us going in there and just pushing the rents up, We'll go in there and make this cleaner for them and their family. So the opportunity for them to stay there, stay potentially closer to their job or where their family's within the school system, instead of them having to move out to a property that if it is a surrounding property, they're already going to pay higher rents because we're so under market. So as we add these rent bumps in here, they uh, typically uh, tend to stay, which is great for us because your biggest downside on multifamily property is when your units go vacant, the amount of cost to, of course, turn the unit, and the time to lease the new unit. So if we can get moderate rent bumps with the tenant staying in place, that becomes a nice point for us to stabilize the property quickly continue to offer return for our investors. And then we'll take one step series past that. With great tenants, we love to have a referral fee program that goes in place. And this referral fee brings in great friends of these great tenants. So not only do we find that that we're able to keep the tenants, but they start now having their friends come live there. And when people have their friends live in the communities, they tend to stay longer from our experience, which now helps us on both sides.
1: So talk a little bit about the process of buying a property. is it a competitive market and how do you have an advantage in getting a, a good price when you're trying to buy a property that you think has good potential?
5: Focus and follow up. I, there, it's every No matter what market you're in, investors are gonna say it's, it's just super competitive, super, super difficult to find a deal. And that can be true, but you have to do the work. You have to be focused on what you're looking for. We, we fail when we're too widespread in our net. And we're always worried about the fear of missing out, but I find that if I'm very specific. If I, if I came to you and said, I'm looking for 100 to 200 unit uh, buildings, BCS, that's built between 1975 to 2005 uh, with a valuation or a buy price of 3 million between 12, or to 12 million. Well, if you, if you look at that, you understand what I'm looking for. But where people fail is that they may look at a 50-unit building and then a 75-unit building and then a 100-unit building and then a 12-unit building, and they're looking all over town. So they're really master of no one set of, of buildings. And so for us, if we're looking at that type of building, in the, we'll, we'll take Louisville again, in the south side of Louisville or the south-central submarket, we're very particular so we know exactly how the building can perform can be very quick to act because we already know how that's built in, the learning curve is not there. So that's why we focus on very specific markets because we want to be the first to react when a good property comes up. And now the follow-up is key. And so there's there's a story, our, our first property that we were able to purchase. Uh, we actually had found this off market through a relationship and the uh, owners had, were asking for $3.2 million. And the ownership was a um, series, we'll call them the, the kids, but they were 50s and 60 years old because the father had passed away. And this building um, had been within the father's possession. He actually built it uh, back, you know, they had built it in the 1970s. And the kids were all out of state. They really didn't have anything from, to do with real estate. But they had in their mind $3.2 million based on the, what uh, someone had told. So we found a number that, that we could offer, which was uh, over a million dollars under asking. We were at $2.1 million dollars. And they countered back at $3.2 million. And so that was our initial offer it was a 2.1. They had asked for 3.2 and they just countered us back at 3.2. And there was just too much of a delta there. We, we thank you for your time. And we went on to look at other properties. It was about another four months later, we we found that that property hadn't, hadn't traded, nothing had happened with that. And we went back and we actually increased our offer only by $50,000. And at that time, they cut their offer down by $600,000 or their their ass down by $600,000 to $2.6 was their counter at that time. Because what had happened is they kept being offered within range of the pricing that that we were offering. And they kept saying and countering back at $3.2 million. So investors forgot about the property because ultimately they they weren't ready to sell it at a realistic price point at that time. Now, when we went back, we had made a checklist of all the properties we were offering on. So we came back when the property had basically gone dormant and the family or or kids or whatever you want to call them had become realistic with what the property was worth. And so for that, we were able to negotiate back and forth and ultimately close it for $2.3 million, almost a million dollars under asking. And it was a great opportunity for us. That's actually the numbers that worked based on the financials of the property. And it took us right at the end, right before we finally just were able to get to the ultimate meeting ground on price, we actually sent them over our underwriting and said, we're not trying to beat you guys up, but just based on the performance of the property, here is what it's worth. And here's what we need to basically meet the returns for our investors. The, the great story about that is that after a year with the property, uh, we, we were able to do all the renovations and improve the performance of the property so well that we were able to refinance the property after about 13 months. And it came back at a valuation of $3.2 million at that time because we had actually made it perform at that level and we were able to return almost uh, 75, 80% of, of the uh, initial capital to investors.
1: We have about two minutes left. Just kind of summarize why it makes sense for people to invest in multifamily compared to stock market and other kinds of opportunities out there. You know, it's another viable option and there's, there's never
5: a right or wrong uh, investment for anyone. This is a great opportunity where you can have an asset-backed investment that can, has a number of different ways that you can benefit based on what your needs are. It could, as I said earlier, it could uh, basically provide cash flow, could provide tax advantages, could provide a depreciation bonus, it could provide portfolio diversification. And each investor is gonna know maybe what they're missing and what they're looking for. This is a great part to roll in with other investment strategies that me, you may have, so if you're heavily into stocks and bonds this may be an opportunity for you to put investments into real estate in this magnitude where it is from a passive environment but you are f- able to benefit from a large property and just all the resources that
1: that can afford you very good well thanks so much my guest this half hour has been jason urusi uh, he is a real estate syndicator and investor uh, he runs the uh, real estate foundation he also has something called the Multifamily foundation which you can find out about at multi Foundation.com. Lots of education about this whole idea of getting into multifamily uh, real estate, and you can also see him at his website, holdings.com Thanks for being a great guest on the Money Answer Show, Jason. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now.